0: All right, welcome to AWS reInvent 2017. My name is Dallas Willett, I'm a database engineer on our AWS RDS for SQL Server uh, service that we provide. Um, I'm gonna be doing a presentation today with uh, Hugo from OutSystems. And just as a show of hands, um, how many of you are running SQL Server databases in the cloud today? Okay. How many SQL Server databases overall? I'm I'm assuming that's probably everybody. And then how many of you are running in RDS today? Okay, a good amount. Um, So our our presentation today is you're gonna hear from me for a little bit to give you, for those of you that aren't familiar with RDS and our managed service, a brief, brief introduction into what we do in RDS and how we can help manage your SQL Server databases. And then, Hugo is going to talk about his company, and it'd be nice for you guys to hear what they go through, um, how they use RDS, that kind of thing. And then that'll probably be about 20 minutes, last 20 minutes uh, before Q&A. I'm going to go over some of the new features that we've launched in RDS SQL Server. So for those of you that are currently using SQL Server, um, what have we what have we done and what have we been up to in the last uh, 12 months or so? And then finally, we'll have some time at the end for Q&A. So if you have questions, keep track of them, write them down. Uh, We'll we'll make sure that we can answer those at the the end. So RDS is a managed database service. Uh, What we try to think of is, is we do all the heavy lifting, the undifferentiated heavy lifting, That you normally would have to do if you're managing SQL Server instances and databases yourself on-prem. So this is all the backup and recovery, uh, changing the infrastructure, patching, upgrading, that kind of thing. Um, RDS supports more than just SQL Server. So we know a lot of customers that come to us that have do run SQL Server, but then they also have Oracle or MySQL, other open source engines, or they've they've even dabbled in our. Um, started to use our uh, Amazon Aurora engines, MySQL and Postgres Compatible. Um, so the nice part is once you get used to using RDS for SQL Server, the same sort of API calls and consoles you can use to manage your other databases if you have those. So for SQL Server specifically, we support these different additions along with a couple different license type. So if you have license mobility and you're bringing your own license, we support that. Um, We also can sell you the SQL Server license uh, when you come to to RDS as well. Uh, We just added support for SQL Server 2017. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the presentation. So again, we we try to think of RDS as a managed service doing all of the things that you would normally have to do yourself when you run your databases. And if we do that for you, then it frees up your time to go spend with your development teams, uh, doing things that are more, uh, more beneficial for your end customers, innovating on behalf of them, differentiating your products your applications, frees up your time to go do that stuff. Um, the click of a button, with an API call, or you can use CloudFormation templates. You can launch new SQL Server instances, back them up, <clears throat> restore them, add encryption, add high availability. You can sync them up to your uh, active directories and do Windows authentication. There's a wide range of things that we do within RDS that make your life simpler. So that's a general introduction to RDS. And what I wanna do now is hand it over to Hugo, who's gonna to talk to you about his journey into the cloud.
1: Okay, thank you, Dallas. So moving on a bit about Outsystems. Uh, the same question applies. Who in the audience knows what is low code or knows outsystems? The ones that work in outsystems do. Okay. Um, let let me make just a, b- a brief presentation about outsystem. What is outsystem? What is also low code? So, outsystem is the number one low code enterprise. Uh, platform that builds enterprise grade web and mobile applications that actually is running on aws what we do is we have a product that is as a, vi- a full visual stack of development that manages all the full management life cycle of your applications throughout the environments and also is able to deploy pixel perfect enterprise grade at any device meaning web mobile native, you name it. And basically we have some pillars. The, 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 the mainly one that is that it's a low-code application that is fast, it is secure, it is easy to learn, it's a visual uh, environment, and also it's very easy to integ- integrate with everything. From AWS services, we are built on top of AWS services, But the end goal is just to build your unique experience, your unique application and enable you through your path of digital transformation. So we love our our platform and the customers love us back. And this is for uh, Gartner Peer Insights and we have more than 180 customers then that put up quotes like this, low code is a perfect fit for mission critical enterprise applications. So enough of our systems, we have a booth, just come and meet us at the expo and we can show you how, to, how easy it is to build your enterprise grade applications on top of AWS. So moving on, and this is the, the part where, uh, Outsystem and AWS meets, meets This I, I'm going through our customer journey. Uh, we have been a product for about 10 years, but we only did the, the cloud move in 20, uh, 2015, 2013, actually. Okay, thank you. Um, and basically, uh, as of now, we are leveraging a uh, lot of AWS services. We run about 26. 26 different AWS services, but the, the main core ones are the, the usual suspects from VPC, EC2, RDS, uh, Elastic Load Balancers, and of course S3. And we have a big uh, global infrastructure. This global infrastructure actually uh, is a, a good match for our systems. And the the global presence of AWS from day one was one of the primary motives we went to AWS. We need to support customers in 43 uh, countries, over 22 verticals. We have more than 180 global partners and more than 125,000 community members. So, uh, as you can see in the map, uh, we support six regions that fairly match our presence in the globe uh, in terms of our customers. So moving on specifically to RDS, we started the the, the service in 2013 uh, and we're just doubling the numbers of running instances. We are now running over 800 production workloads on uh, RDS and 85% of, of those are SQL servers. Our product is not SQL bound, SQL server bound. We support other stacks, but our customers choose na- uh, primarily SQL server. And in the past two years, we're really entering the acoustic growth of the company and of the infrastructure by that means. So, this has been quite a journey and we have actually a, a fair big infrastructure but we have a fairly small team of engineers to manage the, the cloud operations and and we have a 24 by 7 operation but we do that by restricting the control of what our customers have over the, the, the infrastructure meaning we run a full set of uh, around 52 managed services, only 15 are database related uh, and the majority of the services are, are, are fully self-serviced by uh, an application that we give to, to our customers. If you can see on, on the right screen, uh, you can see that system is trying to get the sweet spot between total control that AWS gives. If a customer has a, a control over the AWS infrastructure, he has full control of the infrastructure stack on the other side, we have vendors like Salesforce, that doesn't give the control back to the customer. It's a, it's a full product that they control and they control the infrastructure. We're trying to get in the middle where we give get back some kind of control to the customer over the infrastructure, but we retain the heavy lifting of the manage of those 52 uh, services. So the fun fact is we have no traditional DBAs, meaning we are a product company what we really do is have r&d fine tune and put the maintenance plan the performance tuning into the product and that then cross apply that that uh, tuning and that maintenance plans to the entire infrastructure mm-hmm. okay so uh, this is this was 5 years ago but from day one we believe in rds meaning we, we have our product, we have our own share of work to do and innovation to do on, on our product. We, from day one, believed in RDS, you know, the AWS in general, and in automation. The RDS service, like Dallas said, is a fully managed, reliable and secure. So, with those out of our radar, we, want, we really have time to, to go through our product and innovate our product. But the the core thing here is uh, what makes this good is the the, the great relationship that we have with AWS and this relationship makes that we have amazing support from RDSM and from AWS support in general. They incorporate uh, many of our, our requests, feature requests, and they always deliver new functionality over time meaning the, the, the product that we knew five years ago is not the same product that we have right now, for sure. So one of our themes, uh, and I'm going through this security thing because RDS is is the, the base and the core for this. Uh, we've been working very hard in the past two years to have uh, um, a secure SOC 2 Type 2 compliant offer in the cloud. Uh, And support uh, some ISO standards, and also we are proudly members of the CSI Alliance. And this is all because we believe our customers have to have the speed from low code, but with no barriers to achieve this. And and security, it was a big barrier back then, and (coughs) now with this offer, in uh, public offer, we can assure our customers of these compliances. So I'm going now in a bit of architectures, just to show off where RDS is on the entire uh, architecture of our systems. And basically I'm going to present uh, what we call Sentry. It's a public offer that has been just launched. And this is basically uh, a map of the entire infrastructure Of one customer we have isolation between every customer via VPC and by accounts but on the same account we have multiple VPCs isolating environments. Uh, RDS comes as a core data service for for our system and we have uh, a set of, apart from EC2 of course, we have a set of services that we use from uh, AWS, SKS, S3, CloudWatch just to push out logs for forensics, EDS, EPS, um, and, and correlation in third vendor uh, software, basically. And this is a map of one customer. For example, it may be simpler. It really depends off, off the, the scalability of, of their infrastructure that, that they could, can manage in our own product. But we also use our own dog food, meaning, uh, we have the same product, the same infrastructure, and that same infrastructure controls the global infrastructure and we use AWS and our own product to develop, it, to develop this. Uh, of course we have in this special infrastructure a set of management uh, bits and pieces with software that really enables us to manage and patch the machines and so on. So. This is about it, okay. Moving on, um, Dallas is going to, to announce in, in a bit uh, more about features, I'm, I'm going through this specific, specific projects that we are working on uh, that rely on RDS. One of them is uh, scale storage automation, meaning uh, we had a limitation on uh, RDS SQL server and for that we over-provisioned storage for our customers to assure that they won't hit any limitation. So we have huge databases that are unused and with uh, uh, storage um, automation and scalability, we can now move them to, to smaller GP2 in instances and and just go through the process of automating this for the entire infrastructure. This affects many, many customers and of customers. And we're trying to do this with uh, the minimal downtime possible. Another project that is a, a, a cool project that goes to compliance, basically, it's what we, we internally call Vault Account. We are just trying to make sure that on a major disaster we have the guarantee that we have our customer data secure the integrity and the confidentiality so we are doing cross cross accounts uh, snapshots for uh, uh, an external account that's it's fully uh, automated meaning no human access can can be made to to that account and for that uh, it's, this is necessary mainly to assure that in a security flaw that anyone compromises one single account. Uh, we cannot lose customer data, basically. This all is, is to achieve compliance, basically. And the next year is again going to be about compliance. This has is, is been a thread internally. And we're working very hard to GDPR. It's a, a regulation in Europe that has to be ready around May next year. And with that stepstone, we can then uh, go through HIPAA compliance, a fairly important compliance in here in the United States. But it's the same sort of compliance that GDPR. The the the, the same pillars are 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 in place. HIPAA. Uh, it, uh, RDS is a HIPAA compliant service, so uh, it's, it's, it's part of our job, has already been done by the RDS team and that it's, it, it's great. So in, in a nutshell, what, what has been our experience with RDS? Uh, they really support our growth, meaning um, we have to have time to develop our own product they do all the heavy lifting of the infrastructure. So we can just move on and develop our products and leave the infrastructure to, to the guys who, who know how to do infrastructure. And that is through continuous out uh, and AWS our, uh, development teams, meaning collaboration between the teams is a core factor that enable us to just concentrate on innovating our own products. And all this innovation in the end is just to bring value to our customers. Uh, And uh, a clear example of this is uh, the Gartner uh, Quadrants. We, in the mobile app developer in 2015, we didn't exist, basically. We had made lots of work uh, the last year in P10, Platform 10 where we were recognized as visionaries, but our end goal uh, in 2017 was to become uh, the leaders of this quadrant. Uh, and by this, it, it is getting low-code in the heads of the, the people and just bringing more value to our customers. So, I suppose, Dallas, it's your time. Thank you. Thank you, Hugo.
0: All right, Um, so new features. So what have we been doing for the last 12 months? Um, We obviously like to collaborate with customers, Um, like to hear what the sharp edges are on RDS, how we can alleviate those sharp edges. Probably the number one thing that most everybody has been asking for recently is, is scale storage on RDS SQL Server. Um, So in the past, you had to provision, you had to figure out how much storage you wanted, and you had to provision that amount, and you could not change it. Um, And so just recently, we've launched the ability to do scale storage, and it is an online operation, and you'll notice there's a little asterisk there. I'll I'll get to what that asterisk is. Um, But this allows now you, as a customer, uh, to go to, basically, it brings SQL Server into parity with some of the other RDS engines that we have that have had scale storage for a long time. Uh, we also announced that you can go up to 16 terabytes at, uh, just recently as well. So what is that asterisk? Um, the asterisk is, uh, there's a couple of limitations. Um, One of them comes from EBS, which is when you issue a a scale storage command to RDS SQL Server, uh, the the instance will go into um, a modifying state, and then for a period of at least six hours after that, uh, it'll go into a state called storage optimizing, and during that time period, uh, you're not allowed to do another scale storage operation until that one completes. Hopefully, you're not trying to do scale storage every hour. Um, if you are, bump it up a little bit so that you can stay within that. Uh, you don't have to do it every, until every six hours. Um, the, the other big limitation is that scale storage does require that underneath the covers, we're running off of one EBS volume on RDS. So RDS is built on top of all of the AWS components that you might be familiar with. You guys could go out and build your own RDS if you wanted to out of EC2, S3, EBS. Um, Some of our RDS instances that were created a long time ago or if you created instances that used magnetic storage, how many of you still use magnetic storage? A few. All right, hopefully everybody's off onto SSDs. Uh, much better product. Um, but some, some of the older instances and some of the configurations that we had in RDS, we ended up putting multiple EBS volumes together to get you the performance that you wanted um, or we thought that we needed to do um, to meet the, the demands of your particular instances. So a few instances are not going to be able to go through the scale storage. Um, you can use the AWS CLI command for describe valid DB instance modifications. Um, and that should show you whether you can go through this, the scale storage operation for your particular instance. Or if, you, if you're used to using the, the AWS console, um, the, the ability to change how much storage you have on your instance will be grayed out if, if you, that particular instance is not allowed. Um, So this is a little bit of an unfortunate side effect of some of the previous decisions that we had made in the past, Um, but for the the vast majority, for all new instances, especially new instances that are running on GP2 or or PI Ops, IO1, you won't run into this particular limitation. Um, If you do, your real, only answer in that in that regard is to migrate your data to a new SQL Server instance. Um, you could use our native backup restore. You might use our uh, AWS Database Migration Service, something along those lines, to get your data from one SQL Server instance into another one. Um, so I just wanted to show you some of the, the, the error messages that you might get if you try to do a SQL Server operation and it's not allowed. Um, so the, the top one is the command to modify the DB instance. The one below that is if it's within that six-hour time frame that we were talking about. Uh, you cannot modify the storage for this particular instance. Oh, other way around. The bottom one is for the, the six hours. The, the middle one there is if you, maybe you have more than one EBS volume on your particular RDS instance. Um, some of the other things that we've launched recently, it seems like we've launched everything in the last month or two. Um, uh, we now have support for R4 instance types. Um, so R4s are the large memory instance types. They have a, a one to eight gigabyte ratio uh, CPU to, to gigabytes of memory ratio um, in the R3s, you could go up to an 8 XL in the r4s you're now you can now go up to a 16 XL and like most of our new versions of instance classes that come out, the next generation is, is um, more performant and at the same price point or lower. So if you're on an R3, look into an R4, uh, you might be able to, to get a little bit better performance and or save some money. Um, the M4s before went up to a 10 XL. Um, EC2 announced a while ago the, the availability of an M4 16 XL, so now we support that in RDS SQL Server as well as well as a couple of the new larger T2s, which are the Burstable uh, Compute Platform. Uh, new, new versions of the SQL Server engine. Um, so SQL Server 2017 just came out. Uh, we support that. Um, 2016 SP1 CU5 came out recently. Um, those, are, those are pretty big deals. The, uh, the one caveat that we have today with SQL Server 2017 is you can launch a new instance in SQL Server t- 2017. We're waiting on one bug fix to be able to do the upgrade to that. We expect that to be out shortly. Other new things. Um, so, license included. We have a lot of customers that come to us. Um, they don't they either don't have any, any existing licenses that they can bring to AWS, um, or they just want to. But the convenience of getting their license with us, we've expanded that, um, especially for Enterprise Edition. Um, our multi AZ feature today. Um, How many many people here are are familiar with the Multi-AZ features that we have? A few. Um, So Multi-AZ is our high availability feature. Um, Today that is uh, SQL Server mirroring. Um, SQL Server mirroring is obviously deprecated by Microsoft. Uh, The new version of that uh, is is going to be always on availability groups. Um, Today we run SQL Server mirroring, click of a button, an API call, we will set up the mirroring for you and do, the, um, do all of the uh, monitoring of the database and fail you over. Um, so all of that heavy lifting is done for you. Click of a button. Uh, we now support that in uh, EU Central and Frank- Frankfurt. Windows authentication, we talked a little, a little bit expanded that into a couple more new regions. Um, For compliance reasons, a lot of people need to have encryption over the wire. Um, And so with uh, RDS parameter groups, now you can actually set a new custom parameter, RDS force SSL, and that will make sure that every connection to the database is only coming over TLS SSL. Hugo was mentioning that one of their next projects is going to be HIPAA compliance, um, and so we were. Uh, we now have support for HIPAA within RDS SQL Server, so you can. Uh, if you have a business, we have a business associates agreement, uh, we can sign that. If you have that signed already, you're already included, um, you can start using SQL Server with your uh, your HIPAA, HIPAA compliant data. Um, there is a um, a couple things that you need to do in order to actually have your, your SQL Server database be HIPAA compliant. You need encryption at rest, you need encryption over the wire, um, and you need some additional monitoring, uh, Auditing, And so that's where the fedramp underscore HIPAA uh, RDS parameter comes into play. So that'll turn on some additional auditing within the RDS SQL Server database so that you can meet compliance for HIPAA. For those of you that need auditing for some other reason, you could also turn this on. You don't have to be um, necessarily going for HIPAA compliance in order to access some of this additional um, auditing within the database. We've had a few customers ask about that. We like to save our customers money um, in addition to rolling out new instance types that are, that are cheaper and more performant. Um, this was one of the, the most highly requested features for a while. Um, for This is really good for your dev test workloads. Um, this does not work on production workloads that are using multi-AZ. So for most production workloads, we recommend that you run in a high availability mode, which would be multi-AZ. For dev test, what this allows you to do is it allows you to stop your instance overnight or over the weekend when you're not using it. And then what we do is we detach the volumes from the EC2 instance, the compute node, and then we, we terminate the compute node, but we keep the EBS volumes around, and then you can then programmatically restart it in the morning. Um, If you don't tell us to restart it, it will automatically restart seven days later. Um, we'll We'll just spin up a new EC2 instance, attach your volumes to it, and then your SQL Server database is back up and running. So you no longer pay for the compute resources while your instance is stopped, all you pay for is the EBS volume, which is still around. (coughs) This is not a substitute for longer term, so we did put a cap on seven days for this. Um, And what we we expect customers to do is, um, if you you don't need your database for longer than that, then you don't really want to be paying for your storage as well. And so we, we recommend that you do a terminate with a final snapshot. That will that will free up the database instance and the storage. You'll no longer be paying for that. You'll have a backup uh, in your account, and then when you want to restore, when you wanna bring it back up a month later, two weeks later, whatever it is, you just do a restore. It'll launch a new instance and a new EBS volume, and then we'll restore that EBS volume for you. So a little bit longer to do that, but um, for longer term downtimes, that's what we recommend. All right, and that was new features. Um, We do have uh, time now for questions. People have questions? There's microphones. Um, Sorry, (laughs) can can you talk about the difference between running SQL server on a a dedicated server versus running it in in RDS on on AWS? Sure. Um, So the the question was difference between running a dedicated server on EC2 um, or even on-prem, and what's that difference between that and running it on RDS? Um, So the biggest difference you'll probably notice right away is you won't have access to the server. Um, so you don't have the ability to actually log into the to the Windows server, um, and you don't have uh, higher elevated privileges like sysadmin within your SQL Server database. Um, other than that, we do, you know, if you need to get access to certain metrics, like um, performance metrics on the host, um, you can get that. It's, it would just be in a different way. Um, so you, we have a feature called enhanced monitoring where you can get... Uh, OS level statistics down to the second, um, and then uh, uh, be able to put alarms on that in something like CloudWatch. Um, the other probably big difference would be that you don't have the ability to install your own software on the, on the SQL server instant, or the Windows host itself. Um, so if you're, if you're running something like uh, SSRS or SSIS today on the same host, Um, that won't work in RDS SQL Server today. In in terms of performance and and failures, I mean, I've heard stories about, like what is it, noisy neighbor problem. Okay, so the difference between um, then, like when you have control of the entire host versus if you're on a virtualized environment and you might have a noisy neighbor, is that kind of your question? Right. so if you if you choose an instance type that is the largest in any of the classes, you basically are consuming the entire physical host, and so you won't have that problem. Um, in terms of other noisy neighbor problems, all of the uh, the compute resource, resources, the network resources, all of that is not overprovisioned in any way. Um, so there's, you know, if you ha- launch a four vCPU machine. you you are the only one that has access to that for vCPU machine. Um, And if you're sending out IOPS to um, you know, IOs to the storage system, you have a dedicated slice of however much of the the instance is available. Um, So a lot of those, uh, those metrics are available. EC2 publishes those on the AWS website. You can go look at those and see right size your instance for, for that um, so a lot of those noisy neighbor problems kind of go away uh, one one difference would be on um, on the i/o that you choose if you choose Gp2 the uh, it's a cheaper offering it's a burstable storage uh, type that uh, is over provisioned um, and that's why we can offer it at a lower price if you need predictable, you know, I want 20,000 IOPS, 5,000 IOPS, whatever it is, we suggest that you go with uh, IO1 storage type and then you get provisioned IOPS that, that don't have that problem. Okay. Question? Um, yeah, so thank you. You talked a little bit about, um, uh, sounds like custom applications that are able to tie into SQL Server um, and RDS. Can you talk a little bit about other uh, other systems like SharePoint where you know, Microsoft product tend to work with SQL Server if you're setting it up on an EC2 or on-prem. How does that work if you're looking to at least get the SQL Server side um, offloaded to an RDS type of uh, solution? Um, so there are certain applications, that the question was you know, what third party type of applications or uh, pre-built applications work with RDS SQL Server. Um, there's definitely certain types of applications that work straight out of the box with SQL Server. Um, some of them I believe uh, SharePoint uh, should have you come up afterwards and talk to one of our product people. I don't believe that one works directly out of the box. Um, so it, it's a little bit of uh, try it out and, and see if you can get it to work. Uh, the one caveat I will say is that if, if it requires any sort of software to be installed and running on the same host, then it's not gonna work. If all that the, the third party application needs is the SQL Server endpoint and port, um, then typically there's, there's not a problem unless it's like also needs to have sysadmin or well, other I mean, can elements. You, can you set up specific accounts, systems accounts for different services? That would be the only extension outside of. You, you don't install So in anything. the Windows services as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that would be another limitation that, that, that does not work on RDS SQL Server. Thank you. Um, question about the architecture. D- are you running Windows Server Core or Desktop Edition? And follow-up to that, I saw 2017, are you looking at the Linux distribution, or is that interesting at all to Amazon? Okay. Um, so the, the, if I understand your question correctly, it's um, what is the operating system that we're running for RDS SQL Server underneath the covers? Sure. Um, uh, so today, that is one of a couple flavors of uh, uh, Windows Server. Um, I think it's either Windows Server 2008 or 2012, depending on the version of, of SQL Server that we run. Um, nice part about SQL Server, or coming to RDS, is you don't really have to worry about that. Um, we, we take care of that for you and do all the patching for that if there, if there needs to be any sort of patching. Um, and then your second question was well, around... On, on the first one, is it core or desktop experience? So there's, there's sort of two variants, right? Yeah. It's um, since so I don't, I don't know the answer to that one, but I, if you come up afterwards, I can answer that one. Okay. And then, and then your second question was: uh, uh, Twenty seventeen was released with Linux support, okay. as well. So um, yeah. So Microsoft announced that they have uh, Linux support now, which is, which is really cool. Um, today, you know, we've, we've built our, our product based on the, the previous versions. Um, we are looking at, at, possibly doing, a, a Linux, um, offering. Uh, and, and there might be some variations in different functionality that we could provide through that, uh, maybe also some difference in, in cost that end up could be passed on to you guys. Um, we don't have plans at that. We have nothing announced about any plans related to that. If that's something that's interesting to you, we'd love to talk to you about it and see um, if you guys are interested. It's the cost. <laughs> yeah, it's the cost, Is that,
1: okay. Thank you. I've got two questions here basically. Uh, the first question is basically around uh, in- encryption at rest. Um, is there any plans to provide support for SQL native encryption um, support? And um, the second question is around uh, multi region HA rep- replicas. Okay. Any plans around that?
0: Okay. Um, so SQL Server native encryption, is that um, the always on encrypted? Yes. Okay. Um, So we do support Always On Encrypted today. I think it came out with SQL Server 2016, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, And so those versions that do support Always On Encrypted will will work with RDS SQL Server. The second question was around um, uh, high availability offering or or read replica support across regions. Yes. Um, So the. as I talked about before, we run mirroring today, that's deprecated, the replacement for that is always on availability groups. Um, and, and so always on availability groups do have the option of, of running in a cross-region type of, of configuration. And so that is something that we're, we're definitely looking at.
1: So I'm just thinking scenario of a DR situation, like a failover across regions as well.
0: So you, right you would also so want that to be an automated yes. failover yes, situation? Yes, exactly. We should talk about that afterwards. Okay. So I'd I'd love to understand your use case a little bit more. Uh, Are there challenges with uh, three part and four part names
1: in the migration?
0: Challenges with three part and four part names. In like stored procedures? In stored procedures. Um, That I don't know about. Um, So. uh, I guess what I would say is, um, give me your contact information. Um, I can go back to one of the other engineers who, has, uh, who does a little bit more in that area. You ask him and, and follow up with you and let you know. Okay, another question is, um, do you, are there any tools for actually aiding and migrating? Yes. Yeah, so tools in aiding and migrating. Um, we do have the uh, database migration service um, as well as the uh, a similar tool in that group called the schema conversion tool. Um, that's the schema conversion tool is more for if you're doing a, a hybrid type migration from you know some other to SQL Server or SQL Server <laughs> to, to something else. Um, the uh, database migration service though is our our way of doing logical replication um, to be able to get your databases from on-prem into something like RDS SQL Server or into AWS if you wanted to. All right, thank you very much.